Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Well, again, good morning, and my name is Kenny, and I have the honor of being the lead pastor here at Home Church. And uh, today, we're going to wrap up this series that we've been in for the last few weeks called uh, Whiteboard Sessions. And I, I love this series and uh, because there's nothing that's more fun for me than to just pull out the old trusty whiteboard and to be able to teach some truths in Scripture and to give you a visual of some of those things. And so... Um, the, the series today is going to wrap up around a topic that some of you guys are going to be really excited to hear about, and some of you are going to be really upset to hear about, and some of you are like, yo, why'd even come? And so today I want to talk to you around marriage, um, and, but, and so if you're, if you're married in the room, uh, I, I just want to tell you, I believe that today's message, this word, can literally change your marriage, okay? I believe that. Uh, I've seen it happen in counseling rooms. Uh, I've seen it happen in conversations that some of this teaching today has shifted marriages. So I pray that that will be true for you. If you're here today and you're not married, uh, maybe you've, you've been married in the past or you're divorced or uh, maybe even you're widowed or maybe you're single and, um, you know, ready to mingle again, but not like the one-minute mingle that we do. Um, I know you're thinking, you know, like, how's this going to serve me? Uh, and I want to tell you that these truths, yes, are geared towards marriage, but I believe will help you in any relationship. I believe if you'll grab hold of what the word says about some of these things, it will help you understand uh, God's design for relationships and God's design for marriage and how that functions and flows for all of us. So I, I hope you'll, you'll lean into some of that today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and pull it out to Genesis chapter 2. Um, I want to share this with you. If you don't have your Bible, um, you can follow along right on the screens. Uh, we also have the YouVersion Bible app. has a live event happening right now, and you can find the scripture there. And uh, if you have downloaded the Home Church app, that is a great resource for you as well to be able to just uh, log into their sermon notes there for you to be able to follow along and follow along with the scripture. So uh, here's where we're going to go, starting in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Uh, The word of the Lord says this, uh, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the wild animals and all of the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he had brought her to the man. This is an image of the first wedding, right? This is the father bringing his daughter to the man to be married. Isn't that beautiful? That's why we see that at weddings. Verse 23, the man said, this is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That's literally what woman means, out of man. Uh, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. 
And so I wanna talk to you today around this idea. Here in scripture, we see the first marriage. We see the first uh, union. Remember we talked last week about how our priorities are, are meant to look like our relationship with God comes first, and then we come next, and beside us comes our spouse. Why? Because the two become one flesh. This is the image that our, our Lord gives us of what marriage is meant to look like. And that, that phrase, we'll hear it again, that the two came together and became one flesh. But there's a phrase that sticks out that uh, when we read it in English, and depending on your translation of Scripture, uh, there's a, it's actually, man, it just doesn't quite give us the understanding that we really need for God's design for this marriage. Okay? So there's uh, this phrase, I don't know if you saw it, but it said, for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Did you see that? This is where uh, God gives Adam a job to name all the animals, and so I wanna just clearly tell you, some of you guys know this about me, I'm not a huge animal fan. Uh, I'm certainly not a huge fan of dogs. Uh, but you know how uh, here we say that, uh, man, that dog is man's best friend? It's not what the Bible says. Just saying. It's not what the Bible says, Okay? He says a no suitable helper was found. He needed another friend, so we had to come up with a woman. Well, we didn't. God did. And so that phrase, suitable helper, is an interesting one. Because I think a lot of times in relationships and in marriage, that has been used as an instrument of devastation. <laughs> uh, you can just, man, I've seen videos and people who are like, man, I'm just looking for my suitable helper, that woman to come along and help me live my life. Like, Wait, what? Well, that's what the word says. I need a helper that's suitable for me. What? No. This is, this is a really, um, frankly, it's, it's just not a great interpretation. Okay? So this is why oftentimes when we read Scripture, I believe that as God breathed, it is inspired, it is living and active, it will absolutely teach us as we read it. But God's word is also meant to be understood and dove into and researched and studied. And so when you do that, oftentimes one of the things that I like to do, the way that I like to study, there are a couple of things that I like to look at first. Number one is, who is the writer? Um, because if you're writing a letter to someone, your intentions might be a little different than mine. Your circumstances, your perspective might be different than mine. So I want to understand who's actually writing the letter. Secondly, I want to understand who they're writing to, right? Who's the author? Who are they writing to? Uh, thirdly, I want to understand the context in which they are writing. What are they trying to accomplish? What's their agenda as they're trying to communicate here, okay? And so here we have the creation. This is, uh, we believe this to be Moses as the author, and Moses is taking what, taking what had been traditionally oral history, and he's putting it pen to paper, or better yet, rock to parchment, okay? And so he's, he's putting this down because they're taking oral tradition and trying to make it a little more formalized. And so he's giving us the understanding of creation from history, putting it on a paper. It's inspired by God, and this is what we have. But if you go back to the original language, which would have been Hebrew, and the way that this would have been translated, uh, there's this phrase here that you probably, unless you were studying it, you wouldn't have seen, because all you see is suitable helper. But there's this phrase called Ezer, Connecto. That's a say it together. Ezer Connecto. All right. This is what the scripture, this is the phrase for what we get suitable helper. But suitable helper is not a really great translation. Okay. 
I want you to understand that a, a better translation to understand what Edzer Konegdo actually means is the help that opposes. The help that opposes. And so when we have this image of Scripture, you know, oftentimes we look at relationships and it's, it's kind of like I said, right? This, this man's just looking for a helpmate, somebody who's going to come alongside and do his dishes and clean his kitchen and make sure his clothes are washed so he can go to work. This is not the intention that Scripture had for this marriage, this relationship. God had better. Now, I want to be very clear. There's a feministic way of viewpoint here that would, uh, that would elevate women to a place of authority over their man. I just want to lovingly tell you that's not the way God designed this, and I'll show you that in a minute. The way the rabbis like to teach this idea of etzer konegdo is around this idea of two planks. So if you have two planks held together, they cannot stand independently. These two planks need to actually have a little bit of opposition to one another to hold each other up. So if you've ever maybe had a two by four and you just wanna put them up against one another, you know that it takes just the right pressure against one another to hold them up. Otherwise, they will, they will topple, they will fall, right? So here's what it looks like. It looks like this. And with the right amount of pressure to stand up together, the help that opposes, which is what a good helpmate, a good helper does, actually brings balance and health to a relationship. Too many times, we have men who are domineering over their wives and they run over them, and so there, there is no help that opposes it's just somebody who's in the way. And in a lot of relationships, we have domineering women who overpower and hound and, and, and really push over their husbands. It's unhealthy. This is the image that our God wanted us to have when it comes to the very first marriage, the help that opposes. See, there's this, this crux where we come together there's this pressure point where everything starts to meet, where there has to be a right balance of pressure, of opposition that help to hold the whole thing together. You guys have seen this play out. You've seen relationships that are, that are unhealthy. Maybe you're living in one. Husbands, if, if you're in the room and this is not what your relationship looks like because you're domineering, you're powerful, you, you are, you're the head of the house. This is unhealthy. Ladies, if you're in the room and, and, and you absolutely domineer your husband, you're pushing everything aside like you run everything, this is not the way. This is not what God had intended for us. There is a help that opposes, that is meant to bring healthy opposition to our relationship. And you might be like, yo, I just, I just want a peaceful relationship. I don't want any fighting, any arguing, all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm sorry, you're human. You're sinful. Those things are gonna happen. And so because of that, that's why this is so important because we are going to lean against one another. In fact, it's good. We need accountability in our lives. Husbands, we need our wives to help hold us accountable to things. This is a part of their role in our life to oppose us as a helpmate in a helpful way. 
Wives, we, we need our husbands to lean on us and, and to call us to greater, to lead us, because it's the help that opposes that we actually need. Eds are connecto. Not just a helpmate, not just somebody to do this life with, but someone to lean on as we do this life that will lead to health. Now, there's another way I want you to look at this because, well, there's another kind of semi-triangle that we have here. And this is one of the things I wanted to give some image to when this is unhealthy. We have men, we have women, and we have God. We have this love triangle, (laughs) not in a weird way, okay? But we have this love triangle that I want you to see. Sometimes when you feel distant from your partner, when you feel distant in relationships that you have, this is a visual image I want you to consider. Because oftentimes, and this is, listen, men, I love you, but you know, part of this house is I wanna train you up as men to lead your houses. But more often than not, here's kind of the way I see relationships. I see men who are chasing after God, they might be right here, and oftentimes their women are spiritually further along than they are, more mature, more committed, more disciplined. And so now we have this, we have this gap, okay? Because as we're chasing after our relationship with God, which is meant to be first, there is a spiritual maturity that comes along with that. And oftentimes in relationships, not all the time, and it's not what we want, but oftentimes in relationships, we see the women are more spiritually mature than the men And so there is still a gap between us and God, but there is also a growing gap between us and our partner. So when you feel separated spiritually from your partner, part part of it is this. Because as we grow, and as we grow together in God, now all of a sudden if our men are growing and our women are growing now, there's not much gap between us as we're getting closer to God. There is absolutely a correlation to your spiritual maturity and your journey, to your connection and your ability to lean healthily in proper opposition to one another in your marriage. There is a correlation. I'll just give you an example spiritually. Wives will oftentimes give their husbands a hard time for not coming to church, not leading their family, not praying not sitting with them and praying together, not, not, not leading a study of any sort. And every time that happens, a man who is, by the way, typically, spiritually less mature, feels defeated. They feel like, well, I don't know how to fix this. How do I, how do I just now all of a sudden start praying? How do I all of a sudden now just start doing all these things? And then they feel defeated. And then the chasm continues to grow because rather than being challenged and being opposed to actually grow spiritually, they back up. They refrain, they take steps backwards, and the gap grows further. Because now their wife, who needs a spiritual leader in their house, cannot depend on their husband to do it, seeks further and further and more intimately after God, and there creates an even further spiritual chasm in our marriages. Man, I I love you. And I'm not saying this to hurt you. I'm not saying this to make you upset or offend you. I'm saying this to encourage you, to challenge you, that God has made you the rightful spiritual leaders in your relationship. But many of us have advocated that. We've set it aside. 
and we allow our spouses to lead us. And this is not the way. And so if you feel a gap in your relationship, your marriage, I wonder if it, this maybe hits home a little. I wonder if, if this puts some language to maybe some of the gap that you've been feeling. So what do we do? What do we do? I mean, because there's this relationship that's etzerkonegdo, this, this help that opposes, that's meant to draw us together, pointed and chasing after God, and yet spiritually we are so separated, we've got these issues, how do we get past it? Well, number one is we need to do right, what we've been trying to teach you here. The three things we've been focused on all year. Number one, have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Every day. I'm not saying you gotta read a book of the Bible every day. What if you started with a verse? An everyday relationship with Jesus. Number two is that you would know God's word. The more you spend time in God's word, the more you will know God's will and the more you will then go God's way. And lastly, that we move from being just a believer to being a disciple. These are things we've been talking about here all year, and these are things that are going to help us even out this relationship, and it's gonna bring us closer together. Maybe your situation's different. Maybe, maybe you're, you're a man in the room, and, and this is completely opposite. Man, thank the Lord. Let's go. I got, a, I got some men's groups you can come be a part of and help us, right? I mean, this is, this is good. This is what we want. I wanna be very clear. I'm not saying that our men should dominate. I'm not saying that our men should rule over. I'm not saying that our, our men should, should just forcefully. I'm saying that a, a, a man who loves his wife, who loves God, will wanna follow God and lead her in the ways of the Lord. That's what it'll look like, right? So, Here's kind of practically how this starts to, to play out, right? Uh, if you're in your Bible, slide over to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five. As you're getting there, um, I did a wedding once for someone that I had never met. That was dumb. <laughs> uh, never doing that again. And so I had a phone call and they were like, hey, what are you thinking about saying? I was like, well, you know, I mean, Ephesians five is kind of a go-to passage for a pastor at a wedding, right? I mean, it's just no-brainer. Like, you don't even have to study. It's just there. And, uh, and so I was telling this, and, the, and this girl said, yeah, we're not, we're, not, we're not doing that. And I'm like, why not? She's like, because it says I have to submit. I ain't submitting to nobody. And I'm like, then I'm not sure you want marriage. <laughs> but most of us have missed this because we don't actually read God's word. I'm gonna slow down and read this. I want you to hear this. Not hear, listen, don't hear what you've always heard. Hear what the word says, okay? Read with me. Verse 21, Ephesians 5 and verse 21. This is Paul. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. He, this is a lot of church leadership, a lot of church governance. He's giving a lot of, uh, a lot of um, basically he's giving a lot of understanding for how they are supposed to live and, and the area here is titled like a Christian marriage. Here's what he says, first and foremost. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I, mean, I could literally lay it down and walk out after that. Submit to one another. This right here, this is one of the greatest misunderstandings in scripture. 
And this is one of the misuses that we have used where we tell women, you gotta submit to your husband. Well, I don't know if you actually read the word, but that's not what it says. It says that we are to submit one to another. <laughs> what, what, are you kidding? Doesn't that sound a lot like that? Okay, let's just keep, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Let's just keep reading. Now we get a little more specific. Number, verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Okay, so this is where this is coming into play, right? Our relationship with God has a very clear indicator for how we might work with our husband. He is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Okay, there's a, a little bit of kind of two things happening here. Paul is both talking about the church and marriage at the same time. He is connecting the two understandings. He's connecting the two institutions, okay? So don't get confused. He, he's talking about two different things operating in the same way, okay? And so he's telling wives that we are to, we are to submit ourselves to our own husband as to the Lord. The, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior, verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything, all right? So now we got, we got the women's perspective here, what Paul teaches. All right, well, what about the men? All right, boys, you ready? Can I just go ahead and tell you before I read this? From the very beginning, God gave leadership and headship to the men. I don't know if you've ever been in a place of leadership before, but I got news for you. A place of leadership comes with more weight and more responsibility. When you step into a place of leadership, you automatically assume more weight and more responsibility. Men, you got married, guess what? You automatically stepped into more weight and more responsibility. Well, why, pastor? Why you always gotta give the men a hard time? Why you always gotta call us to greater? Why you gotta call us to lead? Why? Because this is what the word calls us to. Now listen, I wanna, quick aside, I know many of you, when you got married, nobody taught you this. So when you stepped in and now you're here, you're like, yo, I, I, I didn't know all this. Like, is this really how it's supposed to go? Like. Didn't, didn't nobody teach me this stuff? And man, I, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry nobody sat with you and, and gave you this mandate before you got married. This is why I never marry anybody else who I don't meet with first. In fact, if I do your wedding, it is required that we do premarital counseling. You know, you know what we talk about? Ta-da! <laughs> Verse 25, husbands. Love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water and through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. I love how Paul goes on. He who loves his wife loves himself. Remember how we talked just last week about our priorities. How can we pour into someone and something else when we find ourselves at the bottom of the list? Okay? 
Verse 29, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Well, hold on. Maybe, I don't know. It's a little warm in here, but did we read that earlier? Have we heard that somewhere already today? Oh, oh, yeah, that's right, right there. I forgot. It was right there from the very beginning. (laughs) Okay, cool. It's amazing. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing how the word just does that. Verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Now, remember, he's giving clarity. He's talking to the church about church stuff, but he's kind of talking about two institutions at once saying the same thing. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I want you to keep verse 33 up here for me. Can you throw verse 33 back on the screen? I want you to read this with me again. However, each one of you must also love his husband. I want to show you something that I've used in lots of premarital and marital counseling sessions that I think will give some image to how many of us live this life. So here we have men, and then over here we have women. Verse 33 kind of gave us some clear indicators as to how this functions, okay? So we have this relationship here where the scripture says that men are meant to love their wives, right? But it said something interesting. It didn't tell women to love their wives. Did did you see what it said? It, It said that women are meant to respect Their husbands. Now that's an interesting cycle. Uh, there's a really great doctor who wrote a book called uh, "The Crazy Love Cycle," and uh, and this is a little bit of that imagery. But I, but I, I want to give it to you in this way. So when I was growing up, I had this uh, old school washing machine, plain white, top loader. Okay, anybody anybody else still had one of those? Now, today, like, these things are crazy. They kind of lock down like Fort Knox. I don't know. It's so weird. You know, you forget a sock and you go to open it up and, I don't know, you got to put like your security code in there to get that thing to open up, to throw something back in, right? But back in the day when, when we were younger, you know, you'd get that thing going and, and it would start to spin and you'd forget a towel. You'd just pop the, op- pop the top off and that thing would kind of like grind down and you'd throw something in and you'd put the top back on and then start going again. Anybody remember this? Good. So this is kind of what happens in relationships. So oftentimes we're in a relationship and something comes up that interrupts the way that men love our women. There are oftentimes things that come up that create this this gap and this this pause for how women respect their husbands. You know, this is just a hypothetical potential possibility of a situation. No one's real life whatsoever. Um, But but you know, have you ever you ever heard of someone who you know told their wife, 
at the end of dinner, hey, I'm gonna take the trash out tomorrow, okay? And the wife says, good, because, you know, it's full and it's gonna start to stink. Make sure you take the trash out. Yeah, 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 got it. I'm gonna take it out on my way to work tomorrow. And said husband gets up and busy about his day, takes off and doesn't take the trash with him. Comes home and realizes that the trash can's laying there empty, no bag refilled, of course. (laughs) But the trash is gone. And he brings it up with his wife and he's like, hey, I I told you I was gonna take the trash out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you said you were gonna take the trash out this morning when you went to work and you didn't. And so I took it out. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're trying to get dinner ready and there's this coldness that starts to come over. And now all of a sudden they don't talk and if they do talk, it's a little bit of an argument and a quip here and there. And you know, then because we can't really take it out on them in front of our kids, we just take it out on our kids and yell at them, short-tempered with them. And then we get our kids ready and we go to bed and there's just the weird thing. And if we even lay in the same bed, we lay kind of with our backs to one another and we might mumble, good night. Wake up the next day and it's kind of this weirdness, this awkwardness. And, you know, a couple of days later, we might, you know, give them a peck on the cheek and, and start to say, I'm sorry, and start to work around it. I mean, again, hypothetical. I've never done this, ever. <laughs> this has never happened in my life. So what happens is like that washing machine that I grew up with. One of the ways that many wives receive love is acts of service. Really, more than that, it's simply for us to do what we said we would do. Now, oftentimes we have good intentions, and many times we forget because we are busy, but our our partner and our spouse, all they see is that my husband said he would do this and he didn't do it. And now it starts to create a gap because it's not been just the trash, right? And all of a sudden, what we've done, men, is we open the washing machine. See, when a, when a washing machine is humming, this is when the dirt gets pushed out. This is when the water, the excess water gets pushed out and we get clean, radiant clothes that once we dry them are nice and blemish-free and without wrinkle if you throw in the dryer sheet. And they smell nice, Right? And so we want the, we need the washing machine to do its job, to keep moving, to keep spinning. And yet when we open the door, because we forgot something and throw it back in, it, it messes up the cycle. It grinds to a halt and then it's got to chugga, 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 chugga. It's got to get back to going, right? Take some time. The same way when our men need to be respected, And by the way, this isn't just do what I said. This is affection. This is honor. There's lots of ways that I can define respect. I think you can help define it for your own marriage. But oftentimes we lift the lid of respect with harsh words, with cold tones, with gaps of intimacy. We've ripped open the washing machine and its cycle has grinded to a stop. And, and we wonder why things aren't going so good. We wonder why all we do is argue. We wonder why it's just not good, it's not clean, it's, 
well, it's pretty messy. It's because God intends for our relationships to be clean. And there's a cycle to the relationships that God ordained and called us to. There's a working that has to happen in those relationships. And it all starts right back here at the very beginning of how we understand the call of that relationship originally from God. That we are meant to help oppose one another in a good, right, righteous, and healthy way. And as we chase after God in our own personal relationships, no doubt our relationships with one another spiritually at the very minimum, but probably in other areas of our life are going to be more connected because we're gonna be way closer. We're gonna be more of one thought, more of one being, more of one way. And oh, by the way, the, the spirit of God doesn't work in us when we, are, when we are humble and when we are chasing after him to draw us to repentance when we're wrong to draw us to forgiveness when we've been wronged. What are the biggest stop gaps in our relationships is when we can't get over a harsh word, when we can't get over a misdeed or a mistrust or something that's hurt us. All of a sudden, we just have a wide open washing machine. And I don't know if you've ever left the washing machine half done before for several days, but it starts to stink. Mold and mildew start to grow in that thing and you can't get it out. Man, I just try to give you a couple of examples, but the reality is is that if you've been in a relationship, you can start to list the examples that you've lived of that right there. Before I even started, I told you today that your relationship can be drastically different when you walk out of those doors today if you would so choose. It takes a right understanding of the relationship God's called you to. It takes a right pursuit and priorities that God has placed in your life to pursue, to live after, and to watch him change you. And it takes the ability and the work to get the machine moving. And to be quick to forgive when someone has opened your machine and stop the cycle. To be quick to to forgive and work towards coming back into community and intimacy and relationship when something has gone wrong that has opened the washing machine and has slowed down our process of being clean, radiant, beautiful, blemish-free. See, that's the image that Paul gives to the church, and we have that because the blood of Jesus. Christ has has made beautiful his church, his body of believers. And by the way, Christ can make you individually beautiful and radiant and blemish free as well. If you've ever put your trust in Jesus Christ, that's your story. But Christ also wants to do that work in your marriage as well. So here's the invitation for you today. If you are not married in any way, shape, or form, I pray that the Spirit of God will teach you this concept for whatever relationship you might encounter coming next. I don't know what that looks like for you. But I pray that it will be based on this concept of God's design. If you're in any other kind of relationship, friendship, partnership, spousal, whatever it is, 
man, brother, sister, parent, this is also true. That as we pursue God and in relationship, the closer we are to him together, the closer we're gonna be together. And if you're here today and you're married, this is the image I want ingrained in your spirit. I want you to see that old rickety washing machine just banging, just moving, because ain't nothing slowing it down. And man, I know it might get a little lopsided in there and start to bang on the side a little bit, but at least we're moving, right? It's okay. We get into trouble when we lift the lid. Wives, when we disrespect our husbands. And listen, whatever that looks like, this is part of the work is doing and knowing your husband. What, what does respect look like to him? What does he need from you? Pop it right open. Men, Loving your wife. You know what she needs, and if you don't, you should ask. And for many of you, that's gonna be the hardest thing you've done in a long time because you don't talk anymore. You're just living roommates, just doing life. Your marriage can change today through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the beauty of his word, and through the working it out, like James says. Don't just be mere hearers of the word, be doers of the word. Your marriage can change today. If you're willing, are you? I wanna talk to the men for just a minute. Um, Listen, if you've been coming to home church anytime, you understand the vision of this house is that we believe that the church starts in the home. That men are called to be the leaders of their house and the leaders of that church. With love and respect, We have a whole bunch of churches and homes full of ill-equipped, spiritually incompetent leaders and men. It's just a fact. The reason we see women leading all over the place is because there is a void of men who will step into the gap of their rightful call on their life. Young men in the room, you're not married yet. Prepare yourself to lead. God has called you to it simply by making you a man. You're engaged, you're ready to get married. Do not do it unless you understand this concept and you are spiritually ready to grow and you are willing to do the work to make your marriage right. And if you are married, this is the call of God on your life. And it's gonna be weird and hard and awkward to grab your spouse's hand for the first time in years and pray. To right before you put your children down for bed to open up a Bible and read them a story and pray with your children. To wake up every day earlier to get in God's word and to ask him to help you because you're gonna need it. But by God's grace and his mercy, he will meet you there and he will equip you and he will walk with you. And as you pursue him, not only will you see God show up in your life in beautiful, beautiful ways, you know what else you're gonna see? You're gonna see your marriage like you've never seen it before. You're gonna see your wives happier than they've ever been. You're gonna see incredible things happen with your children. You're gonna see it overflow into every part of your life. 
I wanna speak to the women. More often than not, when I get a phone call, it's not from a man saying, help me, my marriage is crumbling. It's from a woman. My husband won't leave me. All he does is work. I don't know how to get him to buy in. Ladies, I know, and I'm sorry. We're gonna do everything we can to equip your husbands and to lead them and to challenge and encourage them. But one of the things that God has called you to is a beautiful thing. It's hard, but it's a beautiful thing of respecting your husband. To the best of your ability, as God gives you permission to follow him, to follow his lead, to be a good, healthy, right and righteous help that opposes. Not to push him over and not to take the place of leadership that's not yours to challenge him in a healthy way, to lean on him, to call him the better in love and grace and with respect. If we did this today, your house would be different. Your children would be different. This house would be different. Our town would be different. Man, we all want to see incredible things happen. Guess what? It starts with you. In your house, you, you are the change. Only way it happens is God doing a work in you first. I wanna pray over you. Father, thank you for your word. God, I pray that your sons and daughters hear this and see this clearly as your design, as your way, as your implementation of the institution of our relationships and our marriages. God, I pray that as people have seen this and heard this, and man, many of them sitting with their spouses, I, I can see tears, I can see hands clutching, I can see angst. I, God, I see the range of emotions in this house as this word has been brought forth. God, all I can trust is that this is what you had for your people today and that your spirit will stir and move your people where you want them. God, you are good. And from the very beginning, you gave us wisdom and understanding for your design. God, help us follow it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.